Magalhaes to Stokes, who's onside. Wagner. Here's Sims. It's a good serve this from Southampton. They could finish the job here. It's Shane Long, and he has done it. Just a minute to play. A stoppage time. Here's Letizia. Hello and welcome to the Saints FC podcast. Uh, This is episode number nine and we've got an interview coming up uh, with the Moroccan magician Hassan Kashlul. Uh, As always, I really, really love it if you get onto the iTunes store, give us a subscribe, give us a review, let us know what you think of the show. Uh, You can find us on uh, at Saints FC podcast on Twitter. Uh, You can email us uh, saintsfcpodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can leave notes and reviews uh, online, um, on Twitter, and, and of course, wherever you download your podcast. Um, firstly, I must give a big thanks to John Cothlin, who arranged um, our interview with Hassan Cashlaw. John heard the interview with uh, Ken Moncal, um, knew Hassan Cashlaw and thought he might be interested in coming and speaking to the Saints FC podcast. So big, big thanks to John uh, for that. Um, and when we get into the conversation with Hassan, you'll hear us talk about uh, a few of the highlights of his Saints career and a few other little bits and pieces as well. Of course, we're going to cover Delhurst Park, that famous uh, day when Saints took 15,000 fans to Selhurst Park to watch us play against Wimbledon. And we talk about uh, what happened or what Hassan thought when he got off the team coach and saw all the little red fez hats uh, wandering around on the tops of the heads of the Saints fans who'd travelled up to watch that game. Uh, we also talk about... Uh, Hassan's controversial leaving of Southampton and hear about what happened in that transfer. He gets the chance to give his side of the story. Uh, we also get on to the very famous uh, last day at the Dell when Hassan actually outscored Matthew Letizia getting a brace there. And we move on to Saints' current uh, Moroccan football player, Sofiane Buffel, and also talk about Hassan's time um, that he's spending now working as a football agent and getting a little bit, a bit of an insight into that world. Anyway, of course, Tom and I will be back very, very soon uh, to be giving our lowdown on what we think uh, Saints summer has been like and also giving a big preview to the season coming up. Um, but in the meantime, I hope you enjoy this uh, interview with Hassan. Anyway, see you in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye. Right, ladies and gentlemen, um, I'm absolutely delighted to have uh, Saints... Uh, hero on the line today, um, a man called Hassan Kashlul. Um, you may remember Hassan, he, he joined us in 1998, um, played for us for three seasons, had over 80 appearances, scoring 15 goals, um, including in some pretty uh, eventful games, and, and we'll get to talk about uh, that over the course of the next half an hour or so. So Hassan, welcome to the, to the show, thank you very much for joining us. Good evening, John, and uh, it's a pleasure uh, spending some time with you. So, Hassan, just um, uh, you know, for some of you, our, our younger listeners, I think it's worth giving a little bit of background. Um, yes. So, uh, you're born in Morocco. Correct. 
then you spent. You, am I right in thinking that you grew up most of the time in France? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was just born in Morocco, but I, I did grow up in France. Yeah, and then um, you played in the French um, football league for uh, quite a number of seasons. Then you joined Southampton at, at about the age of twenty-five. Is that correct? Yes, it's correct. I did play. I became professional in France in Nîmes, in south of France. Yeah, and I did play for for few clubs like uh, Metz, uh, Saint Etienne. Uh, uh, I spent I had a spell of one year in Dunkirk, and uh, I came to Saints in uh, 19, uh, October 1998, nearly 20 years ago. Yeah. All right. Um, I've heard some stories about um, your joining of Southampton. Is it true that you came as a trialist? Yes, I did. I did. I, I, I first came. Uh, it was at the time when there was trial in the Premiership clubs. I don't think it would happen in nowadays. Now players get uh, uh, get to be seen so many times before club uh, invest some money. But at the time, yes, players could do trials, and I came to Southampton for for a week trial that became two weeks, and uh, it was quite conclusive at the end. And Dave Jones, who was the manager at the time offered me a, first a three-month contract that became uh, two and a half years afterwards. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I mean that, that just seems um, amazing in today's day and age. I mean, they talk about Saints having this uh, black box where they're monitoring these players from all over the world. Um, yeah. And it, you know, it's, it's not really that long ago, is it, in 1998? No, you were talking about. no, but things have changed. Football has changed as well. Yeah. Uh, a lot, but uh, at the time, uh, I don't think many clubs has had uh, scouts uh, in Europe. And uh, when I came to England, there was hardly three or four French players uh, like uh, David Junola, Emmanuel Petit, uh, Patrick Vieira, and uh, maybe a couple in, in Chelsea. But there was not so many. Uh, the English league uh, became really uh, international. Uh, beginning of uh, 2000, I should I should say. Yeah, and um, so that that Saints kind of side that you joined it. So you um, you managed to get into the team pretty quickly after your trial had finished. Yes, uh, in fact, the team at the time was uh, at the bottom of the league. I think, uh, if I quite remember, after seven or eight games, they had only uh, one point. And uh, we were already drifted apart from the other team just above. But uh, so I, I, I got in a team who was not very confident at the time. But uh, we managed to have a good run. And uh, I think we were really good at home. We are not so good playing away. We hardly won any game in the season. But at home we were nearly unbeatable, which helped us to, to stay up on the last game of the season. Yeah, and um, just to kind of uh, help people remember, you're right. So the Saints had an awful start to the 1998-1998 season. Um, Yeah, with one point um, after, I think it was nine games, actually, and only three goals scored, which was terrible. Um, And then on Boxing Day, uh, we lost our last home game of the season. So after that, after Christmas... Every home game, either win or draw, and um, yes. 
I don't know how you feel about this, Hassan, whether you think it was your influence, but I think you came into the side around about November. You, you got your, your yeah. first goal for Saints towards the uh, Christmas period. And then yeah. Saints started clawing their way back up to, to safety, really. Yes, we we had a good run. I remember I scored four, four or five goals and we won four or five games in a row and uh, we managed to catch up with the team who were just above us on the table. And, uh, but there, there was a, uh, there's always been, I think, in Southampton, but at the time we had a, a great squad. We were all friends and I think there was that special spirit that carried us on all around the season to to the last game and... Uh, we, when certain games we felt completely apart, like a 7-1 loss, I think, at Liverpool, on other times we were playing at home and we, we felt invincible. And I think that's what helped us to, to, to hope until, until that last game against Everton that keep us uh, up. But I think that's something that the Saints fans were used to in the time. And uh, we just carried on the tradition by staying up. Yeah, and uh, to be honest, I actually think probably one of the most memorable um, days in that run of fixtures uh, which helped Southampton survive. So last five games of the season, didn't lose a single game. We won the last three games. And um, on the 8th of May, 1999, um, something uh, which is known as Hassan Cashlaw Day uh, on the south coast. <laughs> um, yeah. a, a bit of a tradition that the fans would go to the last away game of the season dressed as, um, I suppose, the kind of fans' hero of the season, quite often uh, a bit of a fans' favourite, and, and that was you. And uh, it was an absolutely vital game uh, against Wimbledon, and Saints took 15,000 fans, travelling supporters, uh, to Selhurst Park where Wimbledon played. And I think that probably meant that we outnumbered the home fans by quite some some number. So, Hassan, can you tell me what you remember of that day? Yeah, it was a bit something special because uh, the Delo, uh, it's not St. Mary's Stadium. We could uh, a maximum fit 15,000 so when we went to Sellers Park to play against Wimbledon at the time it was uh, it was like playing at home and uh, against a team as well who was above us in the table who managed to survive uh, but it was just one or two games at the end and we really really needed a, a three points away when we knew that we were such a bad team as soon as we left the <laughs> DM3 so uh, it was an amazing experience for me and for all, all the, the players who were on the pitch that day. And uh, against a very physical and strong uh, side of Wimbledon, we managed to win with a, a direct corner from Tis, who uh, did save the club so many times uh, the years before. But uh, we managed to put a good performance on, and uh, I think that helped us a lot because uh, I think Charlton at the time was the other team who was fighting to stay up. They had as well a good result uh, at uh, at Villa that day. I think they even won in the extra time when we thought we were already uh, saved because I think it was the, before the last game of the season. But they came back on the on the game and uh, it, they took us to the last game of the season. But it was, especially for me, who just came six months before, it was like a special uh, special uh, game and the, 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 the way the fans responded to me uh, is still in my mind today. Yeah, and 
I, I wonder what you what you made of that. So um, obviously you'd only been in England well for even less than a season at, at this point. Um, did you know the fans were going to be dressing up as Moroccans uh, for the trip to Selhurst Park? You know what happened? Did you did you start to notice something yeah. funny was going on I, when I, you arrived there? Yeah, I didn't have a clue, but I knew there would be a lot of fans there. But when we arrived around the stadium uh, with the coach. Uh, they were all around, and uh, obviously coming from Morocco, I know that those little uh, uh, red hats that they put on their head, uh, you'd hardly see any any of them in England. So, yeah. and seeing so many, I have I have to say, I never seen that many in Morocco myself. So, it was like uh, it was like special, absolutely special, and uh, it's just it just shows how how the fans wanted it even more than us. I think. Uh, to see that so many people are away, it was like it was like showing us the way, the path uh, to to survive. And uh, we responded on the pitch that day. And I think uh, we, they were the 12 men, and uh, they helped us to make the difference. Yeah, uh, fantastic, um, fantastic day that one really was. Um, yes, it was. So uh, I'm, I'm going to move on um, probably to. Um, I think maybe one of your best performances um, for Southampton was pretty close to the start of the following season, the, the 1990-2000 season, um, and a win against Newcastle United. Do you do you remember yes. this game? Yeah, it was. I think it was. It, well, it was in August, but it, it felt like in January. It was raining so much that it was like torrential rain. And uh, against uh, against a good side of Newcastle, which I think just lost the final of the FA Cup a, co- a couple of months before, with uh, and we managed to beat them 4-2. And I did score two goals on that day. Mark Hughes scored a fantastic volley in the top corner as well. But I, I did remember it at a special game, yes. And uh, for me especially, uh, to score two goals like this at the Dell. Which was always a special place to play football. I do remember actually that most of the the players from the big teams, when you were talking to them, they hated coming down that the Dell because they did felt that the pitch was one or two yards shorter than uh, the other pitch uh, where they used to get to play, and uh, it did make a difference. And with the pressure we used to put on the opponent, you you could see that it was a very difficult place for them to come to. Yeah, and it, it was, it's quite a funny um, place to watch as a fan as well. I remember, um, I think it was in the last season against last season at the Dell, um, and against Bradford City, there's some extra tickets came up, and so I actually got to s- sit in the away end with tickets that the Bradford <laughs> hadn't sold. Um, yes. But I was on the front row, and my seat was lower than the pitch level. So, you know, my head was just popped out, you know, up above the, the pitch <laughs> level. And you could actually touch the pitch from from where you were sat, which, you know, I, yeah. I imagine for the players must have been so intimidating and probably gave you guys a really good feeling when you have people coming to the Dell. Yes, very much so. I remember some uh, some uh, opponents who really didn't like uh, going for throw-ins because you you could uh, the, the fans could could easily touch a player who was coming out of of the sideline and uh, for them it was pretty uncomfortable to play uh, this kind of old stadium with a special atmosphere. Yeah, and um, so uh, I mean I I don't know. Um, 
whether you want to pick out any other particular games, but there's one um, game which I think is really, really special for many, many Saints fans, um, and one which you had a very big part to play in, and that was the last game at the Dell on the 19th of May 2001, which was um, not only Saints' last game at the Dell, but it was your last game for Southampton as well. Yes, it was. It was my last game for Southampton, and uh, the last game at the Dell, and to be we had a really good season that year i think we were like in the first part of the table like eight or ninth during most of the season and uh we had some big games coming at the end uh glenn odell have, had left the club for for tottenham and stuart gray took over and uh, i think we we played the man united at home as well that uh just uh, two or three games from the end and uh, we, when we received Arsenal, who were kind of invincible at the time, they had a fantastic team. We just produced, I think, what this stadium deserved and what all the fans who've been so faithful for so many years deserved. Uh, a good farewell. And uh, it could have not been better for me as well, who was leaving the club and uh, for, for the legend of the club at the time, uh, Matt Letizia, who scored an unbelievable score, goals. But it was unbelievable, to be fair, for most of the fans. But after nearly three years at Southampton, I used to I, I, I used to see those kind of goals in training from Matt so many times. So uh, we, we probably, the players, were the only one who wasn't surprised at the time. Uh, but he... I think that was a happy ending for the stadium, for me, of my time at Southampton and for all the fans. Yeah, I mean, it, it really was the perfect ending, that game, you know, to beat Arsenal yeah. 3-2 with a Matt Lattis, uh you know, last-minute wonder strike. It, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's basically, it was the Hollywood script and um, you guys delivered it, d- delivered it on the pitch. And, of course, you got your two goals in it. Obviously, yeah. I, I'm afraid to say I do think Matt Latiss managed to overshadow your your two goals on the last. Yeah, day. Well, <laughs> I don't mind. He, he, to be honest, he, he well deserved it at the time for all the achievements he had done uh, for the club, and I think it was just normal. I was, I was uh, like yeah, all his teammates were so pleased for him as well, who had a difficult season at the time because he had a lot of injuries. But uh, for him, it was just something special and. Uh, and I think as well, uh, uh, the fans and, uh, were very happy that he was the person who could uh, who could do. He was probably the only one who would have been able to do so, but he, he did it as well. Yeah, and um, I, I suppose it's probably going to be an obvious thing to move on to when we're talking mm-hmm. about um, Matthew Letizia. But um, obviously, do like to speak to the ex-players about you know who are the players that you enjoyed playing with and, and who are the ones that you kind of feel had a big effect on your career or your life in your time at the Saints? Uh, for me, I, I, I would say, I, I would be totally honest, when I came first from France, uh, we could hear about, about a little bit about the English football, but there was mainly the players who were playing in the big clubs. Uh, when I discovered Matt Letizia the first time when I came, uh, I I discovered the player that that could do things that were just unbelievable with a, with a ball on the football pitch, and like I said to you earlier, uh, it was just a joy every day in training to see the goals he was capable to score. And even if it wasn't at the peak of his career at the end, because he had few few injuries, 
he was just uh, unbelievable and uh, what he could do and uh, we were all re- very respectful and uh, uh, we admire the player and the man because more than the player is the man he's such a gentleman and he he always always were uh, free to speak to the fans and he was always there on the pitch to give you a good word and to cheer you up he's just a special guy I know uh, any other players that you remember kind of making friends with or any that you're yeah. still in contact with today uh, in contact with yeah, uh, I've seen a few times uh, James Beatty uh, other than that I was my, my best friend uh, who uh, uh, I still feel sorry at the time uh, who died uh, uh, Dean Richards who was very I was very close to to him at the time yeah uh, who passed away five, uh, six years ago uh, but we at the time we had a, we had a, a, a good young squad and we had a we had a great spirit uh, I think it's, it's kind of different than what it is now but uh, there was 20 players and we were just happy to be together on or outside the field and you could see that the spirit going through the team uh, every every Saturday at 3 p.m. Yeah, and, uh, uh, what's quite interesting is I suppose speaking to a lot of the players um, that you played with, so I've spoken to um, yeah. uh, Jason Dobb before, um, yeah. and uh, Neil Madison, who was there, I think maybe just a little bit before you, you might have left before you joined. But yes, yes. A, a lot of the players from that era um, came on cow as well to tell about this great team spirit that they had at Southampton and that togetherness and the players kind of socialize together as well and you know it's really really great to hear hear about that um but I, I think it's 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 everything it's not i think it's not just a club it's the area the city the people uh, it's such a beautiful place to live and i i remembered so many players when i just came who were telling me that they were loving it there and uh uh, it is true that it's uh, it's such a beautiful part of England, and uh, it just make it special to every footballer who one one day puts the the red and white shirts on. Uh, it, it's just uh, the club, the fans, the city just make everyone welcome, and uh, it's it's a package, I should say. All right, let's say I'm sure people in Southampton listening to this will be going to be grinning from ear to ear uh, hearing you talk about their city like that. <laughs> um, no, that's true. So uh, I, I suppose um, one of the things which I want to get onto is probably um, actually when you left Southampton. So we mentioned your last yeah. game was the last game at the yeah. Dow. Um, and I've heard kind of two different sides to this story. So yeah, I, I but, want to hand it over to you, Hassan, and, and yeah, tell course. us what happened. But to be honest, at the time, uh, I never said anything. A lot of things were said wrongly about me and uh, by the people at the club uh, or the chairman at the time. But uh, I did prefer to keep it quiet. And for me, it was not important to justify myself on the, football, on the newspaper. But uh, first of all, uh, it wasn't... Uh, money reason that I left because uh, I was in negotiation with Southampton since December and uh, at the time uh, they were saying that I was greedy but uh, this is not true because when I talked to the chairman at the time uh, we had few meetings and what I was asking was not more than what the players uh, had in Southampton the best players who had renewed their contract during the season 
So I was asking exactly the same thing. And, uh, but it got turned down twice to me. So that did make me understand at the time that they were not prepared to offer me a contract justifying the good season I had at the club. So yeah. it's only at that point that I decided to look somewhere else. After that, regarding that, if I ended up in Ipswich or Aston Villa or Celtic or there was a few clubs there interested for me, that belongs to me and that was my choice. And uh, I would do that. I would make the choice that will suit me the best, rather if it worked afterwards or not. But I've never been disrespectful from the sense players uh, or the clubs by itself. And uh, nevertheless, the fans, I... Uh, I did offer in the discussions to renew my contract with Southampton, but at the time uh, the negotiation wasn't good and it wasn't going anywhere and uh, it, it dragged on for four months and uh, at the end I just had to understand that it wasn't the place for me anymore, so I had to move on. But then yeah. I, nobody knew that, they just had the, the version of the chairman who did say at the time that I was greedy, which wasn't the truth at all. Yeah, I, I mean, I heard uh, that he told you um, something pretty awful, so I don't know whether you, you want to say whether this is true or not, but um, he, he told you that you could live like a king in Morocco on the wages that he was um, yeah, offering. At the, yes, at the time, that's what was said to me, oh. but I, uh, uh, more, uh, that's not something to say, but uh, never, nevertheless, it, it was discussion at the time, and... Uh, uh, whether it would have made me a rich man in Morocco. Morocco is just the country where I was born and I lived 25 years in France before I came to England. But it is not... Uh, for me, it was more the fact that uh, what the, what I was asking for was no more than any other players at the time who had renewed their contracts there. And uh, obviously, when uh, you know that you, uh, there is no discussion or we were f far apart from each other's, I had to make a decision for my future. Yeah, and um, so so then you um joined Aston Villa, where John Gregory yeah. was manager, yes. and um, you had a pretty good relationship with John Gregory. He played most of the games under him, and then yes, he left he... um midway through the season, and then mm -hmm. is that kind of where the Hassan Cashtor that we got to know and love at Saints kind of really yeah. your career started to to dip at that point? Yes. What's happened is I decided to sign for Villa when John Gregory uh, asked me to, and uh, he was the manager who brought me to the club. And uh, at the time, uh, I, I played I played most of the season. Uh, I played, I think, 33 or 35 games that season, and things were going pretty well because I think, if I remember, we finished eight in the league. After that, uh, Graham Taylor, uh, God bless his soul, uh, uh, took off, took over as a manager, uh, but I think at the time uh, the the club uh, politics was a bit different. There was few players who were under big contracts who were make understood that maybe they should have uh, gone. I know that David Jonella left for Everton. Uh, Paul Merson after that season uh, with uh, Steve Stone uh, left for Portsmouth. Uh, and uh, Peter Schmeichel, who was there as well, left for Man City. And uh, it was still me and Mr. Uh, Mustafa Haji, who, who stayed at the clubs. Uh, we were clearly made, understood that uh, there was no much future for us there. Uh, 
so we were put on the side, and uh, it was very difficult time for me at the, uh, to 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 not be able to 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 being given the chance. Especially that year, the, the team just stood up at the I think the on the thirty seventh game of the season. Uh, yeah. Leeds got relegated, but we had a really bad season. Villa never been so low in the league, and uh, but I hardly had my chance that season. So things start getting a bit difficult, and uh, it's true that uh, my uh, my football wasn't uh, wasn't the same. But uh, what can I say? That that's part of life, and uh, it was a difficult time for me. But I had to live through it, and. Uh, but uh, I don't regret anything uh, that I've done because they, as long as I know they're my choice and uh, and I respect all the choices I made and uh, that's how it is. Life don't always depend from you. You've got to suit the manager. But I know that all the games I played at Villa, uh, I played most of them quite well the first season and we were there on the, where we should be, top six, top seven in the league. Yeah. Um, so another uh, thing that I want to ask you about, which is something that yeah. not all Saints players get to do, is um, you actually travelled uh, to the World Cup finals. Is that right? In 1994? Uh, yeah, I, I was part of the squad in 1994. Uh, I was only 21 years old and Morocco qualified for the World Cup. And uh, the World Cup was in America. Uh, we didn't have to good result to be fair we were in a group with Holland Belgium and uh, Saudi Saudi Arabia and uh, we did lose our three games but it was a fantastic experience because uh, being able to be part of a World Cup I think is the dream of any footballer and uh, it's such a big event uh, and as well to be able to play against uh, top players like a rich card at the time and uh, that, that was just something special, and uh, I always it's always been a, pr- a pride for me to play for Morocco. Yeah, and um, th- there's a little place in Scotland as well that you have a bit of yeah. a cult status. Um, <laughs> so I don't think uh, Southampton fans will necessarily be familiar with this. Do you want to explain the story of um, your time at Livingston? Yeah, I ended my career in Livingston. At the time, I had a friend who was the manager who took over at uh, Livingston. It was Richard Koff who played uh, as well, had a good career in the Premier League in England, uh, in Everton as well. He was captain of Scotland. And uh, I had a spell there, but they didn't sign me as a professional player at the time, which uh, at the end of the season uh, made few clubs moaning about the situation, which... uh, uh, the situation was pretty similar to the one when I first arrived in Southampton. The team was bottom of the league. Everybody thought they would be relegated far behind all the other teams. And uh, when I came, we had three or four games. We won three games and we had one or two draws. And, and we managed to stay up at the last game of the season. And I think the Dundee United and Dunfermline at the time contested the fact that I wasn't signed as a professional player, but as an amateur but uh, at the end, uh, it all went wrong for them and uh, Livingston stood up. And since that day, I think the fans there uh, remember me in a good way. And, uh, I'm, and uh, oh, yes, I'm kind of a little hero up there. <laughs> um, I think uh, yeah, some of the involvement of uh, helping relegate Dundee United is uh, rather fondly yes. thought of by the Livingston fans. Um, yes, they love singing it, yeah. Yeah. And um, so 
you haven't actually totally left football, have you? Because um, today you work as a, a football agent. Uh, yes, I do. That's correct. When I stopped football, uh, like most of the footballers, you still wonder what you're going to do. And uh, I had a, had a bit of time where I, I tried different things like property developing, and which I didn't do bad at all. Uh, I was quite proud of myself regarding the result I had from it. But, uh, you know, when you, you're born in football and that's everything you love, you, you kind of try to get back to it. So I decided to work with uh, the person who was my agent at the time in France and uh, work on the French market for the past uh, seven years now. And uh, it's very interesting because it's, football is everything I love and I managed to, to stay in, the, in, uh, in this world and uh, to go and watch games and uh, to see players grow through, uh, through youth teams and becoming professional and Playing at the top level is, is a kind of an achievement when you follow them from a young age. So I'm very pleased with that today, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I could say I'm a happy man. Okay. And uh, uh, are there any um, players that we would recognize the names of that, that you work with at the moment? Well, he, yes. Uh, for example, we just uh, signed uh, last month uh, a French international called Corentin Tolisso, just signed to Bayern Munich for 48.5 million euro. Uh, so it's a, that's a pretty big deal then, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yes. But he's a, 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 uh, I could say it now for the people who don't know him, but they should look at it. He's a fantastic player, and I'm, I'm sure he's got a great future in Bayern Munich, and uh, he's going to be a, he's already a good player, but he's going to be a top player in the years to come. Yeah. And, um, are there any, uh, say, young French players that you think Southampton should be should be looking at? Uh, <laughs> there is some good uh, French. They're really good for that. They they got great academies. They bring through very good young players. Uh, but to be honest, uh, as a Sands fan and uh, ex-player, I think Southampton are probably the best at academy in England, and uh, they themselves produce fantastic players, especially the last uh, two decades. So I should say. Uh, Southampton doesn't have to learn from anybody. If it's it's probably the opposite, and if clubs need inspiration, they should look at what Southampton has been done in the past 20 years and the players who's been through the academy and that are playing at the top levels in our days. Yeah, and um, I suppose uh, one uh, thing that I, I would like to ask you about: one player who yeah. um, has come from the French market. Uh, he yeah. was also born uh, in Morocco, like yourself, and, and that's Sofiane mm -hmm. Buffal. Um, yes. And I'd love to get your take on him. So, I mean, he had his first season at Saints last uh, year, scored yes. two brilliant goals, but I think ultimately yes. had quite a frustrating season. And I think a lot of Saints fans still haven't made their mind up on him. We, we can see he's got great skill, but yes. you know, does he have the, the guile and the guts that's required in the Premier League? I do think that uh, for when I saw him progressing through the French league, he's a very, very talented player, and it's true that he will he will lift you up from your from your seat when you you watch him play. He's got great ability. Uh, now, uh, you know, on a personal level, I don't know how he, he adjusted to the life uh, in South England and uh, how does he feel in the team. But uh, it's true that uh, the, the fans probably expect uh, 
far more from him. I just hope that uh, this season he can produce the, the level of football he showed in France uh, just before he came here. And uh, if it's the case, I think they've got in hand a, a really good player. Yeah, I mean, you know, I suppose there's always um, that added pressure with being a record signing um, coming yeah, across, and especially being so young and a new culture and, and everything to kind yeah. of get used to. But yeah, so so you think we should give him a bit more time as fans and, and let him settle in? And... Yeah, I, I think he, w- he wouldn't be the first player who hasn't succeeded on the first season. Uh, I do think I think as well for the for the club, it it must have been a big investment. So uh, I just think that uh, this year he will uh, he will have to show more on his side, and hopefully, and uh, the uh, the Southampton fans will will take him on board and. Uh, and uh, he will he will be able to express himself the best he can. All right, brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Hassan. I've I've had you for about half an hour now, so um, I <laughs> uh, don't want to take away your whole evening. No. Um, but <laughs> I don't know. Have you um watched Saints much recently? I wonder if you could give us a, a prediction for the season coming up of of where you think we're going to finish and how how you think we'll do. Oh, I've 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 been following of course Southampton, and uh, I always look at their results uh, on Saturday afternoon. Uh, I think uh, the, with the with the last three managers, they managed to stabilise as a up mid table team. Uh, they're not frightened anymore to to look behind and see uh, if they're going to have to hold their breath until the end of May, which is a great thing, and. Uh, they they have a very good way of play football, and uh, I just uh, I just think that if they carry on producing young players, they they are they are a club who are healthy and uh, a club who, who are very attractive as well. So I I, I I I don't think that there should be any problems this season. Of course, the expectation to finish higher it's pretty difficult when you see Everton who's been spending quite a bit of money. There's still the 15 points behind the top five. It just makes you think there is two leagues in one. And uh, if you manage to finish in the top two or three in your own league, which is uh, <laughs> eight or ninth in the league, it's a pretty good result. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's probably fair. And I know there's lots of fans that would like to see us kind of push um, up into that top six. But when you look at the amount of money being spent... <laughs> Um, that will only happen on the PlayStation. That will only happen on the PlayStation. Yeah. I don't think it will happen in reality. Unfortunately, the gap is is far too big, and uh, if you don't have this this sort of investment, uh, like uh, some clubs can spend 80, 90 million on one player, which is probably the budget of the the rest of the the the, the 15 teams uh, in one uh, in one summer, it just makes so much difference. Yeah. You can't. You 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 just have to to make sure that you know get dragged down in the bottom three like Watford did after at ten games at the end of the league they were all safe and they, with one or two more games they would have probably been relegated. Yeah. All right. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Hassan. Um, it's been a real thank pleasure you speaking much. to you. Um, and uh, yeah. Uh, absolutely delighted to have you on the podcast and um, you know we'd love to ch- chat to you again in the future maybe one day yes why not and, uh, but I always follow the sense uh, uh, results and uh, it's a club who is uh, deep in my heart and uh, 
I really had fantastic years there and uh, I always wish for the clubs the best. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Hassan. Thank you very much. Have a nice evening. Yeah, you too. Cheerio. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.